You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What a world! Welcome to another episode of the Ojo, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog and theboys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB, and from right here as your humble host on the Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, September 28th. 2023 we hope all is well wherever you are we hope you're happy safe healthy and that you're excited and that you enjoyed specifically the season premiere of survivor i love survivor it came back last night for you tonight for me i'm recording this on wednesday it's about 2 15 central standard time i recorded the interview with our very special guest a few hours ago um it's just this is the best time of year i, I mean nothing else comes close seriously we've got all the sports happening. Obviously, the NFL, right? Like, that's what we're here for. Okay, cool. Um, Major League Baseball and the playoffs. And I say that as a Houston Astros fan, it hasn't been the best week. Although, hopefully tonight for me, last night for you, went slash goes well. Um, right now on my TV, I have the ESPN. This isn't an ad, but I have the ESPN Plus app with four games from the Carabao Cup. I mean, I've got the Ryder Cup going on as well. Like, it's just... There's sports everywhere. This is awesome. As soon as the weather starts cooperating, I keep complaining about this anytime I talk to anyone anywhere. I mean, I will be in complete and total nirvana, uh, which I was with our very special guest today. Uh, you'll hear from him in just a bit. Burned Bookmaster from SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit, uh, our New England Patriots site at SB Nation. Join me. Burned is a great friend of mine. Um, I said it in the interview with him. Um, just the nature of, of our jobs and obviously uh, much of society is now uh, virtual in terms of how jobs are handled. Um, Burned is one of the few people who I work with who I have met in person and he is so awesome. He is so great. Uh, he's a great and dear friend of mine and I had a lot of fun talking about this game with him. Um, I know that we're all kind of nervous about this week's game against the Patriots for the Cowboys. Um, I think we're all kind of desperate for the Cowboys to get a win and get to 3-1. and one. Um, And then we can kind of start panicking in a different way uh, in preparation of next Sunday night's game on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, after that, the Cowboys will be on primetime again um, to visit the LA Chargers on Monday Night Football. Actually, on that note, um, last week was a very... Um, you know, kind of rare thing for the Cowboys. Um, Tony brought this up on our roundtable, Tony Catalina. The Cowboys did not have the number one broadcast crew from Fox last week. Um, if you're not into this stuff, uh, every network has a, a top crew, right, that gets like the best game for that network for 
um, that given week. And last week against the Arizona Cardinals, the Cowboys were on Fox, and they did not draw the Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi crew, but they did draw them this week. Um, the Cowboys, of course, in week one had the number one crew from NBC, the only crew, obviously, um, in Chris Collinsworth, Mike Tirico, and Melissa Stark. And week two, the Cowboys drew the number one crew from CBS in Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson. So week one, week two, NBC, CBS, here week four, Fox. Three out of the first four weeks of the season, the Cowboys touch the three main networks and their number one crews. Next week, the Cowboys will have the number one crew from ESPN. Or not, that's two weeks from now, sorry. But next week, they'll be back on NBC uh, with Tariko, Collinsworth, and Stark. And then the week after, they'll have the number one crew from ESPN, uh, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters. I say all that to say uh, four of the first or excuse me, five of the first six. I can't even get my facts right here. Five of the first six weeks of the season will feature the Cowboys uh, with a number one broadcast crew twice um, on, on, goodness gracious, on NBC. All right. I find that stuff to be interesting. I thought it was interesting. Obviously, I wanted to share it with you. Words are very difficult for me, um, if you cannot tell. I need to drink some root beer and stabilize myself. Uh, but, you know, I guess since I can't talk, let's get to someone who can. Uh, Burned Bookmaster, once again, from SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit, joined me to talk kind of about the state of the Patriots because they are in this really interesting place as a franchise as we continue to move forward in time uh, without Tom Brady being a part of their organization. And then obviously talk about some specific matchups and things we'll be watching on Sunday when Dallas hosts New England. And obviously we had to touch on Zeke Elliott and his uh, much anticipated return to AT&T Stadium to see the Cowboys play against them, see all the fans and get whatever ceremony or whatever it is the Cowboys are planning on doing for him, uh, we imagine, in the lead up to the contest. So without further ado, here is Burned bookmaster right now on the ocho very pleased now to be joined by the one and only the legendary i say this all the time but in this case it is actually true the internationally famous my very good friend i love my job but one of the only people that i work with who i have actually met and worked with in person from SB Nation's pat's pulpit it is burned Bookmaster. I, I I struggle every time. I was so nervous about it, Burned. Um, yeah, it was really good. It was actually like one of the better ones I've heard so far. So yeah. Well, give kudos. it to us. You you say it for me, please. Bookmaster. Man. But that's that like was... but that's like the the native pronunciation, and I understand that it's not easy to do. So sure. anything that comes close to that is actually not that bad. So I've, I've heard I've, I've heard everything. So you go to like the doctor or like some sort of appointment and they call you. Do they say it that way? You know what I mean? Like, or, or like, well, then that makes me feel really small. I was, this was living in my yeah, head rent free all week. And I, I, I botched it. I feel like, you know, B plus effort, but I wanted an A. Yeah. I mean, it's always next time. That's true. Like the Patriots and Cowboys are scheduled to meet in like, I don't know, four years again, unless. Well, Un- I don't, unless, I, don't know. I know I know the unless that you were baking in, but there is also the 17th game, um, which is how they yeah. met last time uh, when they met See? in 2021. Yeah. Um, that's what we're here to talk about is the Cowboys yeah. hosting the Patriots on Sunday. Burned is amazing. Everybody follow him and check him out. We'll throw his Twitter handle and everything. Um, and everybody check out Pat's Pulpit, SB Nation's home for New England Patriots content. Um, you've all heard Burned here before. You heard him in the lead up to that game. Um, it's been an interesting two years since the Cowboys last saw the Patriots burned. Um, that was, I would say, still at the beginning of the Tom Brady departure. Um, obviously, a lot more time has passed, a lot more turnover. Zeke Elliott is now, you know, switched sides as far as this particular game is concerned. Um, overall thoughts on the Patriots? Because I feel like you've probably dealt with a lot of Patriots fans 
who have come to terms with life as a as a mortal, right? Like you, you've just become like a normal NFL team as opposed to the exception. I, I, I'm not sure if the Patriots are ever normal <laughs> NFL team as long as Bill Belichick is running things because like for once I would like to get the inactives list on time and things like that. <laughs> but that's a, that's a different story for another time. That time being Sunday, one and a half hours before kickoff. But yeah, I mean, the Patriots are still in a rebuild, I would say. They, like obviously losing the greatest quarterback of all time is not an easy mm-hmm. thing to replace. Um, but the Patriots also had a lot of coaching turnover over the last few years. And they did make the playoffs in 2021 when right. they last played the Cowboys. They lost to the Cowboys, then went on to make the playoffs, then went on to get absolutely smacked by the Buffalo Bills. Um, but I think the fact that they returned to the playoffs so quickly after losing Tom Brady, it's year two after Brady's departure, kind of warped the perception of what this team is a bit. But in my opinion, it was still part of a rebuild, and they still are rebuilding. Um, even though they have a really good defense, and they are still a playoff caliber team, I would say, if everything clicks. Um, but it's not really the Patriots that we used to be, absolutely because of Brady not being there, of course, but also they they make a lot of mistakes that Patriots teams of past years would not have made. Um, they're like a few, like they've, 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 they haven't stood out, stood apart for a few years now, and that's something that I think a lot of Patriots fans have to get used to. A lot of people covering the team have has got to, <laughs> have got to get used to, but it's still a fun team to cover. It's still an interesting team. It's still a talented team. But that said, as I as I mentioned, it's still a team in the rebuilding process. Maybe still for another year. Um, we've never talked basketball, but I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan. And so I kind of get it. Um, you know what I mean? Like what, what it's like when you go from just like sustained greatness to just like, wow, we just like exist now. This sucks. And the Spurs, you know, went through a really hard time and seemed to be on the come up. Thanks to Wemby, obviously we'll see how that goes. But, um, but I, I, I understand that there's a, a hard, like self-reckoning that, that surely has to happen for everybody involved. And I, I get your point. Um, this is something that, that Brandon Gotten and I were talking about. Um, with the Giants, you know, when when you have a, a really successful um, season in the early part of a rebuild, it does manipulate or change expectations, right? Because people people think you're further along in the rebuild than you might actually be because you're a playoff team, and that does, I think, you know, make people a little bit more unstable than they normally are. Um, I think the greatest evidence of that was the um, was a Monday night game last year against Chicago when with the Bailey Zappi game, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is it now!" Like, boom, like. It all happened finally. Like the magic is back. Whatever. It's like, just chill out. Just take take a second, take a breath. Um, I think that's a really fair overall estimate of the Patriots. Um, and I think Mac Jones has kind of been the perfect quarterback for this weird little transition period, right? Like a guy who's kind of helped the team tread water um, and stay relevant um, as they kind of figure out how to operate as a franchise without, to your point, the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. If you put yourself in Mac, Mac Jones' shoes, it's not an easy 
position to be. And yes, he is playing with a very good coaching staff, but also you got to follow Tom Brady. That's you cannot win. That's like that's the the biggest choose you can ever follow in the NFL is Tom Brady. And I don't know, like he's I feel like he's doing a good job. He's still a young quarterback. He's still a developing quarterback. Um but the like the dynasty years in New England left a lot of scars in a way that every quarterback now needs to be Brady. And that's just not realistic. No quarterback is Tom Brady. Like Patrick Mahomes might be one Tom Brady one day or in in the same sphere, but nobody is Tom Brady. And having to come in and take on the burden of replacing that guy while still being responsible for rebuilding offense, a rebuilding team, is not an easy thing to do. And as you said, I feel like Mac Jones is a good quarterback for the process. Mm-hmm. He's he's. He's, he went to a big school. Like Alabama is arguably the Patriots' version of college in college football to a degree, um, especially with the Nick Saban connection. That's sure. an easy one to make. But uh, he has been in a lot. He's been in the spotlight for before he joined the Patriots, much more than other players. Like Trey Lance was in the spotlight. The Cowboys legendary backup quarterback Trey Lance. Like he. I feel like the spotlight was a different one for him when he came out of, of, of North Dakota State because it's not that big of a university. Right. And he played a lot of good football. He was an early-round draft pick, or an early first-round draft pick. <laughs> but um, it's a different pressure that you're under compared to playing for Alabama and playing for the national championship every year with that being the expectation. Now coming to a New England team that has similar expectations, even though those expectations are not yet to be satisfied from that rebuilding standpoint that I was talking about. That's really fair. Um, and I think it's, it's hard. It's, it's really rare that like Brock Purdy shows up, you know what I mean? Like has, has no real experience playing on, on this big stage and then just kind of dominates or whatever, you know, there's examples to fit every idea in NFL history. Um, I do think that because of the, um, the lesser amount of attention that's paid to the Patriots these days from a national perspective. Like you mentioned, like we're just in a new era. There's like newer players and newer things. Like all anybody has talked about all week long has been Travis Kelsey and the chiefs and Taylor Swift and everything, blah, blah, blah. I do think that Matthew Junon is a little bit underrated from a national level. Um, Last year when Micah Parsons was chasing the sack title, I vividly remember the Cowboys went into a Sunday night game against the Colts and, and they would go on to wax them. But um, the, the Thursday night before Matthew Judon didn't have a single sack, which opened the door for Micah to take the lead as the sack leader. He didn't do that. But my point was, it, it wasn't until really that moment that I was like, man, Judon's really like stacking these up. I mean, like, and I, again, like because the Patriots aren't in our face all the time, I do think that, you know, Mac Jones gets a lot of the headlines because he's the quarterback and he's somewhat controversial. Uh, but Judon is a kind of underrated, one of the best defensive players in the NFL sort of player. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, He's a tone setter for a defense that is really, really good. The thing with the Patriots is, even though Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest defensive mind in the NFL history, it was Tom Brady. It was the Tom Brady show in New England. Like, how many players besides Tom Brady, maybe Rob Gronkowski, maybe Julian Edelman, because he won a Super Bowl MVP award, can you really name from those Patriots teams that won those Super Bowls? It was more like a collective effort without having those big star players. And Judon falls into kind of a different category. He is 
he is a star. He is one of the best edge defenders in, in all of football. And But now that the Patriots are not that exposed, like you just said, it's really he's really flying a bit under the radar. The same is true for other players on this defense. Like Kyle Duggar is one of the sure. better safeties in football, but he's not a household name. Javon Bentley, one of the best off-ball linebackers, he's not a household name. And given that there's so much focus on the quarterback position and on the players who play quarterback, um, even if you're a great player at what you do, you kind of get overshadowed to a degree. Um, and that's not just not just the quarterback position, like the passing game in general. And I know Judon is very disruptive. He's a he, like he. I think he has four sacks already this season and a safety against Zach Wilson, the great <laughs> Jets quarterback we all uh, love. You guys have had um, some fun uh, with with the Zach Wilson stuff this week at Pat's pulpit. So um. yeah, but <laughs> it, that's that's a whole lot of that's a whole different story, but. <laughs> He was drafted ahead of Trey Lance. That's right. So, yeah. like the 2021 quarterback class was a rough one in hindsight, but um, yeah, it's it's. I think flying under the radar, and I think the Patriots mentioned it before the season started, is a position that they like to be in. Mm-hmm. They like to play the underdog card. They played it even when they were right, like going 14 and two and heading into the <laughs> championship game every year. They still try to play the underdog card. Um, but this time they really can do because they don't have those, the, the star power that Tom Brady has. Justifiably or not, that's a different discussion altogether, but it's, there are good players to be found is what I'm saying. And Judon definitely is one of them. And definitely is, if you look at it from a Cowboys perspective, somebody you have to account for, somebody you cannot expect to just disappear or not have an impact on the game. Because if you don't care, account for him, as the Patriots will from, with Micah Parsons, for example, mm-hmm. he, he can wreck the game. And that's, the, that's, a, that's a quality that goes beyond star power, in my opinion. Just I having a player who can turn the switch and change it in an instant. No, that's really well said. And... Um... And again, we are, a, you know, just a bit of time removed from I'm a fan of Matthew Slater, but he's not a household name if he doesn't play for, you know, one of the greatest dynasties in the NFL. I mean, again, he's excellent at what he does. But, you know, like playing playing and that that happens, you know, like there's a lot of chiefs who are more well known like um, than they would be otherwise because of the success that the team has as an overall operation. Again, that's just kind of life. Um, you mentioned Micah Parsons. So um, we're recording this um, on Wednesday about 1130 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, the Patriots um, had their first media session of the week right before we started talking. I saw you guys kind of getting stuff out. Um, and Bill Belichick and Mac Jones spoke really glowingly of Micah Parsons, who you talked about. Um, this he Micah kind of I, I sort of predicted this um, on our side of things. Like there are the occasional players who who Belichick will like lavish with praise, and and Micah certainly. And obviously he's he's hearkened to Lawrence Taylor, who's connected to you know Bill Belichick and his days with the New York Giants. Like so, it's just kind of like right up Bill's alley to to just extol upon him like all this you know football history and things like that. Um, 
and, and Mac Jones said that he's the best player that they've gone up against this season. And I mean, I don't know what, what stock anybody puts into that. Um, what's your like, what's your level of fear? I mean, it, you know, we all have teams that when we play them or, or our teams play them, we're like, oh man, I'm really, really terrified of that dude or whatever. Like where does, I, I presume that Micah is pretty high up on your list or obviously number one, but like what are your overall kind of fears or worries about Micah Parsons as it relates to the Patriots on Sunday? Well, I have to look at it from a Patriots perspective. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. <laughs> but the thing is... You would. You're only uh, here for your handsome good looks, Brent. We all know that. Let's be, yeah, that's true. But it's also a podcast, so people won't <laughs> see me if they listen to it. That's they true. They should listen, though, and subscribe and do all the funny stuff that... My man. <laughs> ...that drives podcast traffic. Um, but the thing is, if I look at it from a Patriots perspective, um, they have Trent Brown at left tackle. Mm-hmm. If he's on... He's really on. He can be a top 10, at minimum top 10 left tackle in the, in the NFL. And he played that way against the New York, a very good New York Jets front last week. If we move over to right tackle, we have Calvin Anderson, who missed all of the summer due to an illness he described as very serious. We don't know what it is, but it kept him out the entire summer. He returned, played the first two games of the season, struggled was replaced by Bradarian Lowe, who was acquired by a trade from the Minnesota Vikings ahead of the de- of cutdown day. He started his first career game at right tackle against the Chets and was, well, what you would expect from a player who started his first career game against, uh, against the New York Chets. So if I look at it from that perspective, and then see Micah Parsons, who is a freak on the other side of the line of scrimmage, I tend to be a bit worried, and I, I, the worry is not so much that the Patriots will just f- allow him to kill Mac Jones right. or burn every Rumbley, but what the Patriots do, the famous tactic often mentioned is that the Patriots will not allow your best player to, to win the game. If we, like, that's a defensive mindset. Like, they will take, they will focus on taking away C.D. Lamb. I'm getting ahead of myself here a bit, but they will do that. On the flip side, they will also try not to allow Micah Parsons to to wreck the game. So what mm-hmm. that means is they will probably use some chips on him, maybe bring a tight end in, which skews the numbers in the defense's favor. So Micah Parsons, even if he doesn't not rack up three sacks and forced fumble or whatever, like as he is capable of, he will have an impact on his, on the game just because of his presence and because of what he is and what he can be. So that's what has me more worried than him sacking Mac Jones a million times. He can't do that. And he probably will get to him at one point because A, he's too good, and B, B, the Patriots' defensive line has been a little bit too shaky recently. But they will have to come up with a plan to slow him down. And that plan might ever so slightly shift what they want to do. And that plays into the defense's hands and that can be an issue yeah i mean we've seen micah serve as kind of a catalyst um for you know opening doors for success for other players on the defense obviously with all the attention that he absorbs and so um you know every cowboys fan kind of hopes that's the case if if he is you know kind of the primary focus uh of whoever it is on sunday afternoon um so last week i you know Shocker here, I do a stock report. Again, a very common SB Nation uh, principle across all of our sites after every game. 
And one of my stock downs after the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals was Stephon Gilmore, which bummed me out. Like, I, I mean, it's just been such a cool story to have Stephon Gilmore be a part of this team. And it was so you know, much fun to have him be this kind of running mate and older brother for Trayvon Diggs. And as, as you know, the, the Diggs injury happening last week. And so now, you know, Gilmore, you know, who's closer to the end of his career and certainly much further removed than his 2019 defensive player of the year season that you love so much. Um, now he's thrusted into this, you know, top premier, you know, role that he was not acquired to fulfill. Um, and I am worried about and more worried than I thought I would be about Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker um, because the Cowboys secondary feels a bit vulnerable with Gilmore, again, being in a bit of an uncomfortable position. Deron Bland, who the Cowboys had to kick outside in the aftermath of the injury uh, position he's not as familiar with. I do think, I mean, Kendrick Bourne had a, a big break for a touchdown after the Diggs pick six on Mac Jones in the game in New England two years ago. Like, I, I do worry that that could, could be something that is there for the Patriots to be had. Um, it feels like from afar, the Patriots offense has had you know, bits of success this year. I know last week against the Jets was kind of tough sledding, great defense, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on the New England offense through three weeks of the season? I mean, the like the expectation was that they would run the ball, that they would focus <laughs> on the run game and set up play action. And then they came out and threw it a hundred times over the first two weeks. So, I, like, there's, there's New England works in mysterious ways. But if we're talking about the offense and what it can be, I do believe that Mac Jones can be a very good quarterback in this league. And I do believe the Patriots trust him to be a very good quarterback in this league. The thing when you look at the two of the last three games, the season open against Philadelphia and last week's game against New York Jets, the weather was shit. Am I allowed to listen to this podcast, Bill? Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 not the radio, so you're fine. I mean we'll we'll add the explicit tag and you'll be safe. So you're good. <laughs> like rainy conditions, windy conditions. It, uh, it wasn't really a pleasant environment to to throw the football in. So we never really we haven't really seen what they can do in a in a clean environment. And I'm not only speaking from the, from the conditions, but also from the game script. They fell behind early against the uh, against the, the Eagles. They the fell Eagles, right. against the Dolphins. They had to dig themselves out of a hole, had to rely on the passing game. And that did not, that is not what they want to be. Of course, you know, throwing the football is, we all know, the most efficient way to move the ball down the field. But the thing is, the Patriots, that they spoke about it last week, they want to be balanced. They want to run the football. They want to set up play action. And they haven't been able to do that especially those first two weeks of the season where they had to rely on the passing game. Now comes week three. They got more success on the ground. They set up the play-action game a bit more. Mac Jones played an actually pretty good game. Um, and it will be interesting to see how this develops. If they can limit mistakes, if they can keep turnovers at a minimum, ideally at zero, then they should be in a position to play the game on their own terms. They can't focus on the running game. They can't focus on those play-action shots. And that in itself should make for a defense that functions a lot better than it looked like the, those first three weeks of the season. The worry to, to a degree is that the Patriots don't have a lot of firepower at the skill positions. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Mac Jones and Hunter Henry have a good connection. Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne have a good connection. You saw it two years ago. Um, and that hasn't changed since, even though 
the 2022 debacle under Matt Patricia tried to change that for some weird reason. Um, but the thing is, Jones has good connections with with certain players, but those players are not necessarily star players. Like if you sp if you speak about Stefan Gilmore being the number one, who is he going up against? Like who's the Patriots number one? On the outside, I would say it's Devonta Parker, but he's not a volume receiver. Like they want mm -hmm. Kendrick Bourne to beat it. They want Juju Smith-Schuster to beat it, even though he hasn't had a lot of whole lot of success so sure. far either. Um, so. If you if you look at it from the perspective, so who's the focus point? Who's the one wide receiver who gets the Gilmore treatment, quote unquote? Um, it's probably Parker, but then again, is that really a mismatch that works in the Patriots' favor? I wouldn't say so, because Stefan Gilmore is still a good player and still a player who may not be at his peak athletic ability, but he's still a fundamentally sound cornerback who's as fine a technician as there is in the NFL still. And that's what might put the focus more on the other players that you sure. mentioned, deaf cornerbacks, the, the other the other starters in a way. And their matchups against the likes of a Juju Smith Schuster, of rookie wide receiver to Mario Douglas, who's been getting some momentum and of Kendrick Bourne. Um so right. It will be interesting to see how how they match up, but going back to how I see the Patriots' offense, they will try to run the ball. They will try to establish a presence and some balance in order to fully open the playbook and stress the defense in more than just one way. So along those lines, we've made it now over 20 minutes into the conversation and we haven't talked about Zeke. Um, I don't know if you saw this um, on, early on Wednesday, uh, Jerry Jones mentioned on the home of the Cowboys, one of five to the fan that they would probably have some sort of, or he insinuated that there would be some sort of honoring for Zeke Elliott, obviously a great player in Cowboys franchise history. Um, I would imagine it's going to be something along the lines of just a video they play probably narrated by Dak Prescott. You know, they've done similar things for, again, very common thing across the NFL and sports in general. Um, but it is Zeke's return. Um, I don't know that there's any bad blood there. I think, you know, Zeke and the Cowboys are kind of the poster for paying a running back and, you know, the, the flaws associated with that and, you know, modern times, modern financial spending, blah, 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 blah. Um, but there is a slight emotional component to this. And I think every Cowboys fan is really curious to see what Zeke Elliott's going to look like. So uh, two-part question. One, what are your early thoughts on Zeke Elliott as a member of the Patriots and how he has impacted this offense? And two, um, what's your takeaway on him returning, obviously, to play the Cowboys? I mean, um, this kind of stuff is, is fun when it happens, but it often isn't as dramatic as the storyline kind of hypes it up to be. To start with the second question, uh, it reminds <laughs> me of Tom Brady returning to New England in sure. when he was with the Buccaneers. Um, it was a big thing until it wasn't a big thing. Right. Like, as soon as the game started, I don't think Tom Brady really cared about it. I don't think Seagalio would care about the difference. Maybe like in-game interaction with with the opponent because he knows a lot of people there, um, just like Brady did in New England. Right. But I I don't think it will be a big thing for the players. Um, even though if the Cowboys do honor him in, in some way. I don't know if he. I don't know how he would, how he would 
get the message because he'd probably be in the locker room. Then he would go through warm-ups. Then he would go through the game. And they will ask him afterwards, hey, what do you think of that? And he will say, yeah, it was nice, but even though he didn't see it. Maybe. I don't know. But um, it won't be... I, I think everybody involved is professional enough that it won't sure. get too far. And that's that will be the same with other players who go through a similar experience whenever it happens. Right. Um, when Mac Jones course, visits New England in the future, totally. Yeah. As a quarterback <laughs> of the Saskatchewan Rough Raiders or something. <laughs> right. No, I'm, uh, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm not a believer <laughs> in Mac Jones until he proves me wrong, which sure. might happen on Sunday already. <laughs> right. Um, but the thing is, as for Zeke uh, and his role within the Patriots offense, um, I had to back up a little bit. The Patriots entered uh, entered the summer with Ramondre Stevenson as the number one back. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty good season. He led the team in rushing attempts and catches last year, but it was too much. Like they just had to, due to injuries, they had to use him quite a bit. And the wheels kind of fell off toward the end of the season. And so they needed somebody to help replace him, give him a, f- a breather every now and then. And they drafted two guys last year, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. The hope was that they would become that. Harris is now in the practice squad. He's been released twice already since he entered the game, entered the uh, entered New England. Pierre Strong is now in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So that tells you everything you need to know about that. There was a need to get somebody who could come in and contribute right away without much of a lead at the time. And I think that's what appealed them to Elliot, that he has the experience and he has the the knowledge, not just from a football perspective, also from a physical perspective. He knows how to get his body in shape to withstand, you know, being run over by 300-pound dudes on a regular basis. And that's not an easy thing to do. I would die. You were probably better shaped than I. You no way. Still get a serious injury. I don't know. But the thing is, uh, Elliot knows that. Elliot, Elliot is a play. Is a pre, he's a pro. Like he's been around. He's I think he spent eight seasons in, in in Dallas. He's been through all of it, and that's what what made him popular in New England is that he could come in and he could fill that role relatively early in his career with the Patriots, and he did that. He didn't see a lot of action in in week one. He had a fumble. Um, in a season right. opener against the Eagles, that was that was a rough play. But again, rainy conditions, things happen. Like nobody, there's no running back that, that never fumbles. I mean, that was Ben Jarvis Queen Ellis, Patriots legend. He never fumbled. <laughs> the law firm, yeah, the law firm, yeah, never fumbled in three years. Left the Patriots immediately, lost two fumbles in the game or something. But <laughs> but like running backs fumble and. That it happened in the first game, yeah, it was unfortunate. But what can you do? The thing is, and that's something that I think also appealed to the Patriots, is he's professional enough that he can bounce back from that. Mm -hmm. And they know that, and they trust him to do that. And so they gave him a lot of carries, even after that fumble. They gave him some carries the following week, and they really let him loose to a degree against the Jets. They wanted to establish that balanced presence, and so they relied on him, and he was their most productive runner. He averaged five yards a carry against a really good defense. And, of course, running backs don't do it all by themselves. You, you know as well as I do that the O-line, the environment, like a lot of factors go into a successful run play as to do in a successful play at every level. 
And the thing is, he looked good. He's not like he he won't rush for fifteen hundred yards anymore. I think his rushing production mm-hmm. decreased every year since he entered the league, and it probably will hit new lows this year. It might not. I don't, uh, like I can't predict the future. Um, if I could, I probably wouldn't do podcasts, but sit on a Caribbean <laughs> island and whatever. Um, but he's he wasn't brought in to be all pro Zeke Elliott rushing for 1,500 yards and scoring 20 touchdowns. He was brought in to help Ramondre Stevenson be fresher throughout the year and to give the team another presence in short yardage and pass protection situations that they otherwise simply didn't have. And so I think the Patriots are quite happy with what they've gotten from him, even though the the numbers will maybe not be overwhelming and people might be quick to look at those and say, ah, he's washed, he's he's over the hill, which, I mean, there is a running back drop off after sure. a certain number of carries. Um, and that's to be expected. But the Patriots can live with that expectation. And as long as he can comp- serve a complementary role, which he has so far, they will be happy with what he brings to the table. Mm. Um I'm very interested. It's just, you know, it, this this was such a long time coming and the Cowboys kept kind of having fun connecting themselves to him when he was still lingering in free agency. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how it all unfolds. I think that's really well said and assessed as far as his kind of standing within the team and the expectation kind of brought in for his corporate knowledge. He's a really just incredibly football smart player. I can back to kind of the Micah thing. I can totally see how that would be appealing to, to Bill Belichick. Um, and again, at, in this point, the twilight of his career, whatever you want to call it, um, I think that he can certainly provide a lot of value. So um, I think every Cowboys fan is rooting for him outside of this particular Sunday. Um, I mentioned that we're recording on Wednesday, but the time has come nevertheless, Burn, to I don't need an actual prediction, but just kind of a general, this is the way I see this game unfolding more often than not. Um, I mean, the Cowboys are heavy favorites, but they were 12 and a half point favorites last week and got blown out by 12 points against the Cardinals. So um, anything can happen. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen? Um, tell us, predict it uh, so that you can get your stock and head on out to the Caribbean, like you said. I would say... I don't know where the over-under is set. I'm not a big betting guy, but probably take the under. <laughs> the thing is, the Patriots, they will, they, they have a pretty good defense. The Cowboys have a pretty good defense. Both offenses, if they are on their game, can be very good. But are they? Will they? Like, I, Brian Schottenheimer is an experienced, good offensive coordinator. But the Patriots are a pretty good defense. Like they, I, I can see them limit the Cowboys and take away CD Lamb and see what else they got. I think, I know they got a lot of, of talent. Like Michael Gallup's a good receiver. Brandon Cooks, former Patriot, mm-hmm. good receiver. But they haven't really popped so far this season. I would say. I think Cooks is like four catches for a handful of yards. Um, so the Patriots will try to force the Cowboys into their secondary and tertiary options to see what they can do. And that might lead to a, to a lower scoring game that people might anticipate. And that's probably, the Patriots are probably comfortable playing that game. Um, the question is, of course, who will, who will emerge victoriously in such a setting? That's the question and, you have to answer, Bernd. That's why you're here. And I, I would say I, as much as I would love to just see Mac Jones go off and 
boom, go 2007 Tom Brady on the Cowboys. I don't see that happening, to be quite honest. I think the Cowboys will win just because they are a really talented team on, on both sides of the ball and on special teams. And the key difference when I look back at the season so far, the Cowboys have the best turnover differential in the NFL at plus six, I believe. Correct. The Patriots are, I think, at minus two. <laughs> they didn't have any turnovers against the, against the Jets. They didn't record any either. So right. um, there was a, a no-sum game from that perspective. But so far, the Patriots have not proven to me that they can play a clean game. And the Cowboys, yes, they, they slipped against the Cardinals. Yes, they played against Zach Wilson and the Jets, which the Jets. Um, and they absolutely they smoked the Giants. I that was like I didn't like when I saw the score. I didn't believe it. It was it was that kind of game. It was, like it was a, it was a really not believable game. It was fake. Um, honestly, it was like as soon as the first like as soon as the first Giants drive stalled, right? They just fell apart. It and beautiful. it was. I have to agree with that. Like, <laughs> The Giants, the Giants are not necessarily the most popular team. Sure, that's, uh, in that's New <laughs> for for reasons I'd never understood, because they never met in any noticeable games, as far as I can remember. Right, not but, 2007. Tom Brady knows nothing about that. Right. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but the thing is, um, the Cowboys are a very talented team. They they haven't made the mistakes yet. I think that the Patriots have made. And they are not prone to making those mistakes. And as you said, any given Sunday, we all know the cliches around that and anything can happen. But just based on what we know, I would give the Cowboys an edge. Will it be a seven-point edge? This is, I think, predicted by the, by the odds makers. I'm not so sure about that. But playing at home, having a really good team, going against an offensive line that has had its ups and downs, I think they will make, like Micah Parsons will maybe make one play too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Patriots to overcome, and in the end, they will, they will, be, it will be competitive. But I see the Cowboys prevailing. I hope you're right. Um, just to kind of appease you, since I'm sure that answer didn't. Um, this is a matchup of two teams whose last win for each of them was against the New York Jets. So each team playing in this game on Sunday, their last win came against the Jets. So this is just really a bag on the Jets kind of show. Um, burned Bookmaster. How was that? Was awesome. it closer? That was really good. That was Let's really go. good. That I mean, really like, good. You, you, you I, I felt confident in my abilities before we started, but I, I, I did have like a little bit of hesitation. This that time right there, I felt way, way more confident. Like zero hesitation. That was zero like down. that was sniffing out a screen pass and just blowing up the ball carrier. Matt Judon would be proud. Micah Parsons would be yeah, proud. absolutely. And you're wearing red, so he would be proud of that as well. That's true. So that's um, this red is in support of the United States. Burned its Ryder Cup week. I mean. Are you? I don't know that we've ever talked golf. I don't know that you're a golf fan. Are you a golf fan? I'm uh, not really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I'm a golf fan. I'm like more of a casual golf observer. Mm. Um, Are you a fan of Europe? I'm not a fan of Europe. <laughs> That's a complicated question. <laughs> well, this is we this did, is we, we did really start two about. world wars. <laughs> okay, all I'm saying is this is the United States versus Europe. So pick a side. Yeah. That's really what this is about. Even if you don't like golf. Um, so um, yeah, I think. You know, I think. Without without having much of a knowledge when it comes to golf, I think the United States will win. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, it sounds like you don't. Again, we haven't talked about this. This is kind of not planned. But um, 
the Ryder Cup is a biannual event um, that that takes that switches of like venues. It's yep. in the United States one, you know, and then two years later, it's in, it's on European soil. Uh, the United States have not won in Europe since 1993. Just something about the home field advantage. So, and it's in Europe this this uh, this year, this week in in Rome. So, tough scene uh, for the Americans. Have you seen that show, The Americans? How about that? Have I seen the show, The Americans? No, I have yeah. not. I I work with the Americans. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> you do. Um, I don't need a, I don't need a show. That's it's actually funny because it's kind of like not about Americans. Uh, so, um, but it is and it isn't. Um, it's it's worth a watch. Uh, the, the wife and I didn't finish it. Um, we just got busy with stuff. But um, we got like three seasons and it's interesting. It's probably on Amazon Prime or something like that. Uh, so when you're not watching Thursday Night Football, check it out. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a. I'll give it well, a good. Burn before you leave. How about you give us a show recommendation? What's something that we should watch that is accessible for us? Show recommendation. I, I got to be honest. I'm not I'm not watching a lot of shows. Okay. Movie, but, burn, books, any form of but, leisure. But one, but one show I recently uh, watched was The Great about uh, Russian Empress Catherine the Great. And it's more of a comedic take on history. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it accurate in any sense or <laughs> form, but it's lighthearted fun. And it's well, like the actors... Are, are good as far as I can judge. I'm not. I have no idea about if actors are good or bad, but they look. But it looks good, and it looks. Um, and it's fun. It's lighthearted. It's something to get your mind off if you have to cover the NFL for 24 hours a day. Um, so, and you know, I've I followed Tom Brady for quite some time, so I know about the great, and I, at least from that perspective, that's a good. A good connection, um, yeah. Did you, uh, this is my last question. Did you watch, uh, was it 80 for Brady was the name? Did you watch that for work purposes? No. <laughs> no. Wow. I, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Pat Lane, who's, who's a writer for Pat's Pulpit, I think he, he watched it. Uh, and I think he said it was fun. Um, but nothing overly exciting. Wow. So I don't know. It's, I, I feel like I've had enough of my share of Tom Brady. <laughs> That's a fair take. Uh, Burn. As, as, as have all NFL fans, probably. Um, you know, I'm at the point um, with Tom Brady where the content is interesting and I am not bothered. Uh, maybe it's the fact that the Cowboys finally got one over on him um, and are the last team to ever beat him. Um, so I've got that like teeny tiny little bit of pride. Um, and that's that's who Mike McCarthy is. He's the dude who's kind of like brought ends to curses like that. When the Cowboys won in New England, they'd never beaten the Bill Belichick Patriots. Uh, they haven't beaten the Patriots at home since 1996. Uh, so that game, I believe the final score was 12 to 6. Um, so hopefully this week's is a lot more entertaining than that. That would say. Maybe they should send Mike McCarthy to the Ryder Cup this week. That's a great idea. Um, It'd be difficult timing, uh, obviously, on Sunday. But, um, you know, send him to Rome. Get on the jet. You know what I mean? Like, it's a 325 kick, Central. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he'll have time. I mean, Plenty uh, of time. right. Um, good call. Uh, we'll work on that, getting Mike McCarthy out uh, to cheer on the Americans. Not the television show. Everybody can check out the great uh, off of Burns' recommendation. If you don't like it or if you do like it, tweet at him at Burned Bookmaster. Again, 1 to 10. Give me a grade on that one. I would say solid eight. Eight for Ocho. That's me. That's a good play by you. Vern, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Have a wonderful day or else. Uh, we'll see you, you next. You too. <laughs>
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to give a big time shout out, big time eternal thank you to my good friend Burned for taking the time to join us. Super um, interesting and introspective conversation, I thought, about the Patriots and kind of getting um, a 101, like I said, on where they're at now. Um, you know how it is because the Patriots are a team that have obviously seen um, a lot of coverage over the, what, last, I mean, like quarter century. Um, and so, you know, there are teams like that that we feel. Um, like we know everything about, right? Because we see them all the time. And there are teams I think that we would offer that we know a little, you know, very little about um, that, that who the Cowboys don't play a lot, right? Maybe, you know, generally AFC teams, uh, maybe some non-competitive teams. Um, maybe right now you could put, I don't know, the Texans in that camp. Maybe you could put uh, the Raiders in that camp, despite their kind of, you know, national and worldwide appeal. Um, and so the Patriots, even though they're kind of this worldwide brand, um, like the Cowboys, I think we can say from a Cowboys perspective that oftentimes, I'm sure when you talk to somebody in your life who doesn't root for the Cowboys, doesn't follow them the way you do, doesn't subscribe to the Blog and the Boys podcast, never, you should fix that in their life. Um, but you, you find that they have these misconceptions, even though the Cowboys are this team with this just kind of like avalanche of coverage. Um, and so it's, it's great to kind of get somebody's opinion who, who knows, um, knows the subject the best and burned is the, the best in the game when it comes to the Patriots. Um, like I said, uh, our, our, our deep gratitude for him taking the time to join us. Um, I'm with him. I, I mean, we'll offer our official predictions ac- across the site as the, the week continues to unfold and as we get through the weekend. Um, but I can tell you now I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Um, I'm willing to kind of give them a strike, right, you know, in Arizona and chalk it up to this, that, and the other. And obviously, most importantly, that they need to improve and they have things to work on. Um, but I certainly believe uh, that they're they're going to find a way to get this done. And then, yeah, next week will be a big one when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. But um, that's all I have for you. Uh, Wednesday, um, at least, like I said, I'm putting this together between 2 and 3 Central um, on Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday got pretty quiet after the uh, Milwaukee Bucks traded for Dame Lillard, uh, at least quiet on the NFL front. I know there's some concern about the Cowboys injury reports. We're still super early in the week, so I wouldn't panic quite yet. Um, we're good. Everyone just take a deep breath. We're going to make it. So, uh, my name is RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or threads at RJ Ochoa on TikTok at RJ 
dot Ochoa. I should mention, by the way, you can watch the conversation that Bernd and I had on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel if you are so inclined. Uh, head on over there, subscribe there, subscribe here, please, to the Blog on the Boys podcast network. And um, yeah, have a great day. Uh, later on today, you got a brand new episode of Riled Up tomorrow on Friday. You got brand new episodes of the Star Seminar and Girls Talking Boys. And then on Saturday, you have a brand new episode of the World's Team. And then on Sunday, you'll see me again live um, after the Cowboys hopefully beat the Patriots. Uh, um, on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, Twitch channel, and Facebook page, we'll of course podcast uh, that episode of the post game for you as well. That's it. Let's go ahead and uh, get out of here. I hope you have the most wonderful day of all time. I hope you have the greatest Thursday ever. You know why? Because you deserve it. We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.